0: my soul what once was dead is now alive you gave to me the breath of life you brought me up out from the grave i'm bursting out with songs of praise What once was dead is now alive You gave to me the breath of life You brought me up from the grave I'm I'm bursting out with songs of praise I'm bursting out with songs of praise I'm bursting out with songs of praise You my God have saved my soul I am yours forevermore. I won't be moved of this, I'm sure. You are my God, and you save my soul.
1: Mr. Scott's going to take care of our announcements today. He's down by the baptistry, so we would direct your attention down there, please.
2: Good morning, Newcastle. It is a pleasure for us to be here this morning to worship the great God who has saved our souls. It's a reminder to us, Of what the psalmist calls us to do in Psalm 103 where he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. That's exactly what we just sang of here this morning. We sang of this God who has brought forth new life. We sing to the God who has saved our soul, who has redeemed our life from the pit, who has raised us up with him in Christ Jesus. And because of that, our hearts can do nothing else but sing forth and praise as we seek to forget none of his benefits to us. And so we're excited to be able to do that together this morning at Newcastle Bible Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us on this special Sunday morning. If you uh, grab the worship folder on your way in, go ahead and open that with me. Uh, We're just going to take a few moments to navigate that together. If you would, take out that small little piece of paper called a check-in card uh, this is just small in size, but it is uh, important in value for us as a church family as we seek to shepherd you, to know that you and your family are here with us to worship together on Sunday. It's a chance for us also to be able to come alongside you in prayer. And so you'll notice on the backside of that sheet a spot for you to submit any prayer requests where we can come alongside you and present your name and your situation before the throne of grace this week, as well as to be able to just celebrate any praises with you uh, that are going on this week. We want to do that with you, so please take a moment to do that, as well as uh, note any of the uh, sign-up opportunities on the bottom of that sheet. Most of those things, the details for that are in your worship folder, so as time permits this morning, make sure you read through that and are acquainted with all that's going on in our church family. It's a busy time as our fall ministry season has kicked off, but it's not too late to get Plugged into any one of those things. So take a moment, fill that out, and drop it at the tables, either at the front or the back of the room as you uh, leave today. Uh, if you're somebody who is not really impressed by the paper, but you love doing stuff on your phone, you can just get onto that Church Center app there and you can do your check in that way. Same thing with any of the prayer requests. Fill that out and submit that, and we'll get that in the same way as well. So we'll be happy to come alongside you in that regard. But if you are a first-timer who's with us this morning, you've never been to Newcastle before, I'm just going to pause and say welcome. We are so glad that you're with us to worship this morning. We would still encourage you to fill out this card, but instead of dropping it in those tables, if you would, please take it out to our welcome desk, which is just on the other side of this wall here. You are going to have to go along the the doors to get there. Please don't try to go through the wall, but it is on the other side of that wall there, and you'll find some friendly faces who are ready to receive you with some more information about our church, uh, who will have a gift for you just as a way of saying thank you for being with us this morning, and they're there to answer any questions you have because we recognize being at a new church can be a little bit Uh, scary, intimidating, you have all kinds of questions, and so we want to be able to help you answer those this morning. So take a few moments, go out to that desk, and it would be our joy to be able to meet you this morning. Well, we are excited because today is one of these special times every few months where we have the opportunity to observe and celebrate the Lord's work Uh, that he has done in the hearts of many of our people and had the chance to really uh, show their commitment to the Lord through an act we call baptism. Baptism is simply a picture. It is a sign of what God has already done in the hearts and lives of these individuals. Uh, We make it very clear that uh, the water you see before us, it's not something special. We haven't come and blessed it. It's just the good old uh, Mackinac water, which may or may not be reassuring to some of us, but it is uh, simple. And it is here as a picture for us of what Christ has already done for these individuals. We sang a few moments ago about how God has saved our souls. How he has put us in Christ Jesus. What was once dead is now alive. And so baptism is really a picture of when an individual's life is united with Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 6 it says it's a picture of how we have died to our old way of life and we have risen with Christ, a new creation. His death has become our death. Uh, His resurrection and his newness of life is now our newness of life. So it's nothing that we have done. It's nothing that any of our uh, individuals who are getting baptized this morning that they have done. It is simply a picture, an expression of what Christ has already done for them, and so we are thankful to be able to do this to show their commitment and their love for the Lord, and that you can be a part uh, as a witness to that here today. So I'm going to invite uh, Tom Felix to come forward, and he's going to introduce our first uh, candidate for baptism this morning. All
1: right. Well, this is Olivia. All right. And Olivia, I'm on Hello. the side, sir. Okay. Um, would you, tell, uh, would you tell us, tell the church, um, why is it that you want to get baptized today?
3: I'd like to get baptized today so that I can give myself to God and publicly identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection.
1: Very good. Um, well, can you share some of your story with us?
3: I grew up in a Christian household with godly influences all around me, including my parents, grandparents, Sunday school teachers, and Awana leaders. My family has always been active in church, and we, and we read the Bible and pray together. I'm so thankful for the way that our church family has helped instill love and understanding of God's word throughout my life. I'm especially thankful for Mrs. Schlaffy, who's been my Iwana mentor for the past four years. Iwana has taught me how to study on my own and memorize verses, and continuing on through the junior high and high school levels, I'm still learning new things every week. Going to Ascend Camp and Pastor Scott's teaching in Rooted have taught me how to follow Jesus's example and praise God in the best and worst of times. I'm very grateful to have done these things because they continue to help me every day. I am thankful that I believed at a very young age because following Jesus has shielded me from so much brokenness in the world and the doubt many people my age have. I don't really remember a direct turning point or a time that I didn't believe in Jesus, but over the years, my faith and understanding have continued to grow and deepen. As I grew in my understanding and matured, I realized that I am a sinner just like everyone else and that I will never be good enough on my own. I need Jesus to cover my sins. One of my favorite verses is Colossians 1, 10 through 12, which says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light." These verses remind me that I am not worthy, but I'm supposed to follow Jesus' example. Even though I myself could never be worthy, Jesus died so that I could be seen as righteous in God's eyes. He will strengthen me and help me when I try to keep God's commandments, even when I will still mess up and sin.
1: Thank you, thank you. Well, would you join me? We're gonna pray for Olivia. Heavenly Father, you are holy and you are strong to save and father you are merciful and we thank you we thank you for your great mercy we thank you for the mercy that you have on each of us that uh, that you call your children And we thank you specifically for for having mercy on Olivia Um, thank you that you have um, you've made her one of your own and thank you that uh, you have allowed her to, to grow and mature and we pray for your blessing on her Um, going forward. We pray that that you would help her to grow uh, continue to grow into a young woman who loves you um, who wants to obey your commands and uh, and who wants to follow you and love you more every day. Father, we're so thankful uh, for your son, for the mercy that we have through him and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Right, Olivia, now because of your faith in Jesus it's my privilege to baptize you In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Well, it's my privilege now to introduce uh, our next uh, individual for baptism. So, Leah Hewitt, if you would come forward here. Leah is another one of our students in our ministry and thankful for her opportunity to come forward this morning. So Leah, if you would be uh, willing, would you uh, just share with the church why you would like to be baptized today?
4: I want to be baptized because Jesus commanded me to when he said, repent and be baptized. I'm standing here today to publicly say that Jesus is the love of my life. I'm surrendering all my future plans in my life to him. He is my savior.
2: Excellent. And would you be willing to share with the church family a little bit of your story?
4: From a young age, I wrestled with knowing if I was saved or not. I knew it was important to be saved because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 Out of fear of not going to heaven, I prayed the salvation prayer countless times when I would have doubts. I struggled constantly with the sin of worry and anxiety over insignificant things. I remember my parents would always give me verses to help, such as Matthew 6.27, which says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? My parents would tell me to pray and give it to God, but it never did anything because I didn't believe what I was praying. I was too focused on other things of this world, such as getting good grades and pleasing people around me, more than I cared about my relationship with Christ. It wasn't until I made Jesus my Savior that everything changed. A couple years ago, I said that prayer for the last time, and I actually believed what I was praying. I realized that Jesus died on the cross so that my sins can be forgiven, and then he was buried and rose three days later. Jesus said in John 10:27 through 30, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I can stand here with confidence today, knowing that I am saved, and the Lord has given me the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit. My favorite verse in the Bible is Philippians 4, 6, which says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He has done. This verse reminds me that I can always turn to God. Even though we all face hard times, God is always with me. I don't have to worry or be afraid because I know God holds my future.
2: i can take that for you. Go ahead have seat here. Well, Leah, it's fun to be able to stand here just to say amen to that, seeing the work that God has done in your heart over these last couple of years. So, church, would you pray with me as we uh, pray over a dear sister here? Father, it is, again, just a great joy to be able to come to these moments to just recognize the obvious work of your grace and the power of Christ in hard and dark and desperate situations, which we know our souls are, as we we were reminded here, right? All of us have fallen short of your glory and are in desperate need of your grace, and you have done that in Leah's heart and her life, and we are excited to be able to just say thank you, Lord, this morning. And we just pray for our dear sister now that as she walks in this newness of life, that she would see the sufficiency of Christ in all things, that you would guard her heart uh, day in and day out as she strives to live obediently to you, not for her own sake necessarily, but even for the sake of the watching world, that she would make Jesus look good for others to see that he is worthy to be followed as well. So thank you, Lord, for your resurrection power and the opportunity for Leah now to uh, just display this union she has with Christ. Uh, We pray for her walk and her steadfastness of life now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Leah, it is my privilege now because of the profession of your faith that I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
1: Church, I don't know if you're as thankful as I am today, but praise the Lord. I'm going to read to you now before we start singing again. Um, This is from Titus chapter 3. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works. Done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God has such great mercy. He took us, you know, as, as we read here, who were, who were spiritually dead, we were blind, we were led astray. We weren't indifferent to him, but we were hostile. And uh, he, he took those hostile people, and he called us, called us his children, and he made us part of his family at the price of his son. What a great mercy. Would you sing with us? Jesus, your mercy.
5: the bed plan-
0: my place, when I stood condemned, oh how good you've always been to me, I will sing of your mercy, Jesus your mercy is all my rest, the fears weigh me down, an enemy's breast, a comfort I cling to in life and in death. Jesus, your mercy is all my rest. All my joy forever, I'll lift my heart and my voice to sing of a treasure no power can destroy. Jesus, your mercy is all my joy. Praise the King.
6: Baptism's awesome. That was, that was special to see. Um, church is going to be just fine, isn't it? Uh, this, I'm so grateful this morning for that. Uh, for the next generation to be baptized, maybe in a few years, kids age three to kindergarten can be dismissed now to children's church if they want to head out the back to hear solid Bible teaching at a, at a level they can understand. And maybe not too long they'll be up here getting dunked too. I can pray for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, we're so grateful for the two baptisms we just witnessed here and as well as the one in first service. I pray that this be a time where we got to see your saving grace on display in the lives of those baptized and that that's not something we soon forget. Pray that we as a church would commit as a body to help those newly baptized to live in light of what their baptism signifies. And also, Lord, that it be a time for each of us to look back on our own baptisms, not as a a moment when we did anything special, but as a day to mark in our memory of what it is that you've done in and through us, signified through those waters of baptism. Father, also this morning, we pray for Summit Point Church in East Peoria. We've been praying for them as our church partner of focus this week. They've asked for our prayers, and we are blessed to offer them to you on their behalf, specifically for some ministry re-kickoffs. Lord, we ask that the power of your word would be made real to the women and the women's Bible study that will be starting again soon. Use those gatherings, Father, we pray, to encourage the, the saints of Summit Point and, Father, even possibly as your means to bring some that are far off into the family of faith. We also pray for their, for their Wednesday night children's ministry starting up again. We pray for the, the hundreds of children that will be hearing the gospel proclaimed on a regular basis. Father, please use that time uh, as a means to, to bring the, the next generation into the family. We also want to pray for our sent go partner and, and brother, Shane Knapp, who serves in Salem Ranch in Flanagan. We praise you, Lord, for a recent successful charity auction as well as a recent uh, disc golf clinic held there on the campus. Uh, Father, we pray that that has made the the community or the ministry better known in the community as well as uh, we're thankful for the new ways that the the community is being blessed by all that Salem has to to offer. Shane has also asked that we would pray for the counselors and the staff there at Salem Ranch as three counselors are attending a counseling and discipleship conference Uh, even right now, potentially now. Uh, We pray for the staff as well, that the the three new cottage members will be identified, trained, and equipped well for this uh, heavy ministry role that they have and that their personal walk with Jesus Christ would be strengthened in the process. We also want to take a moment this morning, Father, to pray for Pastor Kevin, who has been uh, feeling sick the last few days. Please bring him rest and healing. Use this time of, of physical vulnerability to to also strengthen him spiritually, cause him to become even more humbly dependent on you. We're also thankful for Pastor Summers this morning, um, for his willingness to step in on such short notice to bring us good news from your word. We're so grateful for his many decades of service here at Newcastle. Now, Father, as we continue our worship through your basic, simple means of grace, we pray that you would guide us in all of these things that we might do them in a way that glorifies your name. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
1: Well, if you would please stand once again. We're going to continue singing uh, of God's amazing grace and mercy.
0: Grace and peace Oh, how can this be for lawbreakers and thieves, for the worthless the least? You have said that our judgment is death for all eternity, without hope, without rest. amazing mystery that your grace has come to me you mm-hmm. has come to me see your grace has come to me, your grace has come to
1: me. You can be seated.
7: Good morning, Newcastle. Well, good morning anyway. In the interests of full disclosure, I will admit that I am not Pastor Kevin Sauter. Uh, Folks often get us mixed up. We are both so young. We're the same height. Your prayers for our pastor are much deserved and wanted, so continue to hold him in prayer. I miss him this morning. Are you ready to go to work on God's Word? Yeah, let's do it. Six days after Jesus told his disciples that he was going to suffer and die, a truth that they could not comprehend, six days after Peter had answered Jesus' question, he asked them, Who do men say that I am? And they gave him several answers. But then he pointedly said, Who do you say that I am? And there was a pause there, and then Peter blurted out his answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was a bullseye. It was the correct answer in every way. Jesus took his disciples then into a high mountain, They were there for several days. And eventually, he left most of them in the foothills, and with just Peter, James, and John, the three that were very special to him, the three that were the inner, inner, inner circle, if you will, they walked up further in that mountain. It is most likely that he took them out uh, onto the spur of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is some 9,200 feet high. And I know that we have mountains around us and in the Rockies and other places on earth that are much higher than that. But 9,000 feet in Palestine is a high mountain. And it's visible across most places in Israel. There on that mountain, Jesus was changed before their eyes. It... um, was a very strange thing, a scary thing for them. In fact, the scriptures are going to say that they were terrified. His garments became white, white that was dazzling in its brightness. His understanding of them was heightened, and of theirs was, their, their understanding was just gripped with fear. They didn't know what was going on then a crowd, a cloud began to form around them and out of that cloud came a voice the voice of God the Father we'd better let Mark tell us that story gospel of Mark chapter 9 please find that if you will gospel of Mark chapter 9 Hey, our men have Bibles and if you didn't bring one this morning and need one I need you to see this story for yourself. So don't be ashamed to take one, please. Now, many Bible scholars attest that they think that the last verse of chapter 8 ought to be included with the first verse of chapter 9. And I I agree with that. The truth is the Bible was written as a narrative it's a continuous thing and it's only a few hundred years ago that printers and others worked on dividing it into chapters and the chapters into verses and I'm so glad they did and I don't think that I could have done it better or that many other people could have done it better but there are from time to time differences of opinion about where a chapter break comes in this case It's a feeling that the transfiguration and the word about his coming resurrection is to be taken together. And I think that that may well be true. So I'm going to ask that in just a moment as you stand to read this piece of scripture, you allow me to include verse 38 of chapter 8 along with our reading of the first 13 verses of chapter 9. Can you do that please? Stand with me. Mark, chapter 8, verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now we're going to read about that glory. He said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death, "'Till they see the kingdom of God present with power. "'Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John "'and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, "'and he was transfigured before them. "'His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, "'such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. "'And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, "'and they were talking with Jesus.' Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, When they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen, till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, saying, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. Please be seated. pray with me father this is an intriguing piece of scripture and we need to understand it clearly and we need to understand that it gives us hope because you have plans for the future and those plans include all who will believe on you please by the power of the Holy Spirit touch our hearts and open our eyes and our understanding we ask you through Jesus our Lord Amen. Here is a sight, and what a sight it must have been. The word transfigured appears in verse 2 of chapter 9, and it is a translation, almost a transliteration, of the Greek word metamorphomai. And if you were not asleep in biology class in high school, that word metamorphomai has a very familiar ring to it 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 sounds a great deal like the word metamorphosis the expanded translation of this tells us that the outward expression that the disciples saw was an expression now of the glory of God that was inside of him our Lord Jesus Christ is described in Colossians as having the fullness of the deity expressed in him. Not only did they see Jesus in all his glory for those moments, but they also saw Moses and Elijah, saints representing the great saints of the Old Testament. They were there talking with the Lord. I would love to have a conversation that included that. I would love to have a tape Recording of that conversation and know what all was said between them. Here were people who had been dead for hundreds of years, and they came and stood before these disciples, and almost as if it was a murder mystery. But it's enough to make your heart skip a beat or two, and it happened for real. This was not a, a position of of the tricks of photography that can be done these days this was the truth we were seeing Moses and Elijah and Jesus in a transfigured state in fact Matthew adds in his account of this transfiguration that Jesus face did shine so not only did they see our Lord Jesus and see Moses and Elijah it's um, telling us that these are all people who are in the command of God and do what he wants us to do and help us see what he wants us to see. In fact, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, where there's another account of this, Moses and Elijah were in a glorified state and they carried on a, a, a A conversation with our Lord about his impending death some of the events that led up to the cross so there's a message I hope you understand it there is life after this life and that's all in the control of our great God everything that he says about it is true and his power to make it come to pass is very very real Now, I won't chase you all around the scriptures, but I do want you to make a right turn and come all the way toward the end of the scriptures, come to the book of 2 Peter. Peter, James, John, Jude, and Revelation. So we're gonna go to 2 Peter, chapter one. You can find it, 2 Peter, chapter one. And the thing that's important about this text in 2nd Peter is that this is Peter's commentary on that day on the mountain. This is Peter's report of what it was like to be there. And this is Peter's assertion that what he saw and what he heard that day was from God. 1st Peter, 2nd Peter, excuse me, 2nd Peter chapter 1 at verse 16. And it says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is saying, don't you dare think that we made this up. We are not following fables. We were there, we saw it with our own eyes, and we heard him speak. So not only is there a sight on the mountain, there's a sound what a sound it was. What does God's voice sound like? I've often wondered what does God's voice sound like? I have read accounts, several dozen of them in the scriptures of God speaking in an audible voice what did that sound like? What was the experience like to actually hear that voice? The Lord has spoken to me but not in audible sounds. He has spoken to me through His Word. He has poked me up under the ribs when I read things in His Word and said, that's for you. He has made it clear through His Holy Spirit that I could be convicted of His will and know what that was and follow it. Uh, Artie and I prayed together fervently before coming to Newcastle God, is this the move you want us to make, to move to a different state, to take our girls out of high school and move them to Mackinac? Is this what you have for us? Is that the church that I am supposed to become the pastor of? Now, I believe that God indicated fully his will in that matter, but I've not heard his voice. What's it like? The Bible describes it in terms of a mighty, powerful voice. So I know that it isn't some high, squeaky, immature voice. That's not my God. In the book of Acts it was like a mighty wind. It shook the place. In several places it's described as being something like the sound of many waters. So that you are as if you were standing near a waterfall. Or if you've ever been to a place where you could do it, standing behind a waterfall as the water came down over you. Revelation talks in several places. Not only the sound of many waters, but the voice of thunder. Thunder. So it shook the earth around him. Mark tells us something of what was said, but not how it sounded. And what was said was, this is my son. Hear him. This is my son. Listen to him. Pay attention to him. Now, good old foot-in-the-mouth Peter, I identify with him frequently. Peter spoke, and it was evident that it would have been better if he hadn't spoken. When you look at verses 5 and 6 of our text, Peter answered and said to Jesus, Oh, Rabbi, it's really good for us to be here today. Let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Notice the next words, because the the sentence didn't end because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Here's another one of those times when Peter didn't know what to say, so he said something. That's exactly what's indicated here. And God stopped him in his tracks. While Peter is speaking nonsense about building some tabernacles, God interrupts and says, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Listen to Him. Now, you good Bible students, if you would scratch your heads, could probably think of another time when a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son. When was that? Oh, come on. When? At his baptism, at his baptism. So at the beginning of our Lord's earthly ministry, as he is just starting, he asks John the Baptist, John the baptizer, to do what we watched here. Aren't you glad that we are led by a Savior who doesn't ask us to do what he wouldn't do? He's asking us to do the very things he does, and he does them first and then asks us to be obedient and do that this is not a leader that swings on a hammock in the shade telling now you fellas go over here and do this and you fellas go over there and do that this is a leader who sets the example and does this and then says to his followers now i want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing those who believe in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We did that. We watched obedience this morning. Now, the voice that came at his baptism came at the beginning of his ministry and it was God putting his approval on our Savior. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, when you come to the end of his earthly ministry, he is soon to go to the cross. You find the same words spoken by the same God over the same son and changed slightly. This is my son. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to him. So at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry, like bookends, God puts his approval On everything that's going on here concerning his life and future future ministry God said I am well pleased he hadn't had his ministry yet but God says I'm well pleased in him concerning the ministry that is now complete and the death that is ahead of him a climactic death I am not only pleased but I want you to hear him I want you to hear about that and believe it if you take those two phrases apart from those two occasions and study them, you will learn that the first is all about what the Son would do, and the second is all about the Son would say. So here is Jesus, a beloved Son, beloved of the Father, and worth listening to. And not only is there a sight and a sound. But there's a surety. This is a sure thing. A sure thing. Jesus had to be who he was in order to do what he did. There was preparation for the cross, and the cross was preparation for the kingdom. And before there would be a kingdom, there would be a cross. An old, rugged cross, if you please. Now, when the cloud departed, Moses and Elijah departed. They were here one moment, talking with the Lord, and now they are gone. And the perplexed disciples asked about Elijah. Was he to come before the kingdom? And Jesus answered, yes, yes. Elijah would come, and they would do to him what they pleased. And that whole description is is given to us in Luke chapter 1. If you're taking notes this morning, Luke chapter 1 verse 17 is the kingpin in all of that. Because John the baptizer is the answer. He is going to be the forerunner. He is going to pave the way for the Messiah. Isaiah, hundreds of years before, prophesied the words that John the baptizer would say the Gospels tell us then that they did what they wanted with him in other words they separated his head from his body John came in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare the masters way now Jesus words that he was going to rise from the dead confused these three thoroughly. You know the end of the story. You know the other things that came to pass. You know about his resurrection on the third day. And you've written, read, the accounts that are written of that in his word. You know what the phrase rising from the dead means. Did you understand that the resurrection is a vital necessary part of your salvation it is don't miss this truth don't miss this truth for a second the resurrection is absolutely necessary for you to be saved if God couldn't raise his son Jesus from the dead what makes you think he can raise you from the dead If God couldn't put his son into a resurrection body, what makes you think that God can put you into a resurrection body in which you will inhabit eternity? The disciples were confused. They figured that if he dies on a cross, the rest of the messianic prophecies that haven't been fulfilled yet are going to lie dormant. They will be fulfilled. They will be forgotten. God doesn't forget anything. He promised, and it will be done. Think of two of the men from the Old Testament, not the men that we've just met here in our story in Mark 9. Think of Abraham with regard to the resurrection. Abraham had a son, Isaac, and God revealed that the coming Messiah would eventually come through Isaac's line. That the thread that comes all the way through the scriptures to our Lord Jesus would run through the line of Isaac. And now, of all things, God has asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. Wow. I can't imagine. Can you? and the rest of the story isn't told in Genesis 22 the rest of that story is told in Hebrews chapter 11 where you read the roll call of the faithful and you read that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac because he had figured out the resurrection he hadn't read the Old Testament scriptures he hadn't read the New Testament scriptures He knew nothing in writing about the resurrection. He didn't know what we teach about the resurrection. Abraham figured, wait a minute. If God promised that the messianic line would come through Isaac, and I'm going to have to kill Isaac, then God must be figuring to raise him from the dead and give us that promised seed, Abraham figured out the resurrection. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I know some things about the resurrection because I've read the rest of the story. But Abraham had read none of it. He only walked with God by faith. And by faith he believed that God would keep his promise and that Isaac would live again. Think of Job for just a moment. I know that the book of Job comes with the poetical book, so it's lumped in the middle of our Old Testament. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. But Job didn't live in the days of the middle of the Old Testament. Job was a patriarch. His days go back to the days of Abraham. And Job wrote in his book, I know that my Redeemer lives. How did Job know about a Redeemer? What did Job know about redemption? I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day on the earth. And though after worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Job understood something of our Redeemer. And he understood something of resurrection. He understood something of the coming of the Lord to stand on this earth again. Out of a sweet and quiet walk with God, in which he thought God's thoughts, Job and Abraham understood things about the resurrection that we are only learning about from Mark chapter 9. So Jesus declares that he's going to rise from the dead. Wow! He's gonna die. Woo! He's gonna rise from the dead. Oh my goodness! Aren't you glad he did? That was underwhelming too. Aren't, Aren't you glad that Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah, you better. Because 1 Corinthians Corinthians 15 assures us that if it's not for real, we are of all men most miserable. You've believed a lie. You've been faked out. So here is my beloved son. Hear him. The resurrection of Jesus is a surety even before it happened. It's a sure thing. He said so. And God the Father said to listen to what his son had to say. So, for a while, and I don't know how long. Mark chapter 9, Luke 1, other places don't tell us. How long was he in that transfigured state? I don't know. But do you know that our God wants you to have an experience like that? he wants to take you from the grave in whatever situation and condition whatever is left in the grave is. And he wants to raise you and in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, he wants to place you in a resurrection body, a glorified body, the kind of body that can last for all eternity and what you're in right now isn't gonna make it. Our Lord has plans for you to be changed from within into a body that will last for all eternity in heaven. Salvation, receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, will give you a guarantee of a transfiguration, if you please, when Christ returns the transfiguration was part of our Lord's preparation for death and apart from a transfiguration we aren't ready for death either this past Thursday I was privileged to take part in the funeral service for B Scott a gracious saint of God who was a part of Newcastle for a lot of years I told folks that what I was to say was a little bit blunt, but it's so true it needs to be said, that you aren't ready to die B's kind of death until you know B's kind of life. B was afflicted with lymphoma and MS, tough combination, and other things too. She lingered for months. There was a long time when her strength was decreasing and her pain was increasing. And yet she was radiant for the Savior until the very end. I told her one day I don't know if I can picture you wearing a crown. It wouldn't be like her. But she's going to have one in heaven because there's a crown for those who love is appearing. And there's a crown for those who are faithful to the end. You aren't ready to die bees' kind of death unless you have bees' kind of life eternal life, spiritual life, resurrection life, a transforming, transfiguring kind of life. So Jesus' transfiguration was a change visible on the outside because it came from within and that's what Jesus does the life in Christ that we enjoy is not a life of rules and regulations imposed on us from outside it's a transformation from the inside I invite you in join the family please father we are grateful to be yours and we are grateful for the example that Jesus said. We are grateful to have heard him. He is your beloved Son, and we listen to what he has to say. Guide us now as this service comes to a close that we might consider the eternal truths that we've been exposed to, and that we might look forward to a life together forever in glory in a transfigured, eternal, resurrection body. And that we ask you through the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you.
1: Well, if you would please stand. Let's close together in song.
5: shepherd will defend me,
0: through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall it has been paid for jesus bled and suffered for my pardon and he was raised to overthrow the grave to this i hold my sin has been defeated jesus now sing I am free at night but through Christ in me you sing now with every breath stand with joy before the throne complete. Still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me.
7: Thank you for singing that convincingly. I am so grateful. While we've been studying in the book of Ephesians, we have used Ephesians 3, 20, and 21 as our benediction and reading it together. I hope that it's becoming so familiar to you that you don't hardly need to be prompted in order to say it. But repeat it with me, beginning with the words together. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you much. You're dismissed. Thank you.